Welcome to the Surrender Podcast. Surrender is a collective of Christian groups and organisations from across Australia. We work in unity to share Jesus' call to seek his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. We create spaces for the sharing of stories that motivate, support and equip people to love their neighbour, share good news and live justly, both locally and globally. Please note, Surrender provides spaces for conversation and storytelling and does not necessarily endorse the personal views of any one presenter. This is Russell Lloyd's workshop entitled Communal Worship for One. In it he shares his learnings around curating worship events, creating stations and leading reflections as communal worship experience that gives room to and is shaped by the unique hopes, fears, struggles, triumphs, joy and shame of each individual. Yeah, so my, my experience might be different to yours. Uh, my experience of uh, happiness is different to your experience of happiness, but we share that. Um, it's, we share an experience of happiness. Um, looking at my, my experience of hurt, the way that I've experienced hurt might be different to the way that you've experienced hurt. We share that experience of hurt. And so taking that step back and looking at actually what's, what's the stage at which we all share something rather than just going, okay, well, let's talk about this particular aspect of this particular thing. Uh, and if you fit within that category, then great. If you don't, then tough. Um, you'll just have to take it. But I mean, so the, the, the example I was thinking of is like, so who, um, who here has had their father pass away unexpectedly? Okay, so who here has had their father pass away? Yep. Uh, who has had one of their parents pass away? Who's, ha- who's lost a family member? Yeah, more people. Nearly there. Uh, who has lost a friend or a family member? Has that got everyone? Yeah. So we, we get to that, that stage where we can actually go, okay, we can talk about loss here. Um, we, can't necessarily, like, we can't necessarily talk about the loss of a father unexpectedly or even a family member and have everyone uh, understand and engage with that concept. But if you keep taking that step back, then you can find some space in which you can uh, you can all engage, and you can engage the person that has lost their father unexpectedly, and you can engage the six-year-old child who's lost their guinea pig, um, and actually provide that that collective space where you do have a, a genuine one-size-fits-all. The next thing is actually giving people permission. So um, this is a little bit what I was talking about before with the... Um, uh, the training and, and teaching ourselves and our communities in worship is to say that actually you don't need to uh, stand and sing at this point. You have you have permission to stay seated because um, church is actually incredibly awkward. Uh, there's like there's some people that are really well trained in it. They've been around for a long time and so they know when to stand. They know how to act. They know what needs to be done. Um, but there's, uh, I'm sure you've all experienced that moment where 
a, a song starts and no, no one stands up and everyone's kind of unsure if you're meant to stand up and then the one person stands up and then another person stands up and then everyone stands up and it's, it's okay, it's comfortable and, and everyone, everyone knows what to do at that point. Um, or the one person stands up and no one else stands up and they sit down after a minute and spend the rest of the service feeling awkward. Um, but some, like sometimes joining in isn't what you need in that space to engage with God. And I think that um, we tell ourselves that, actually, that to, uh, to do what everyone else in, is doing and to be a part of that, uh, that corporate mass in a, in, a, in a worship event is that's what worship requires. And that's what, uh, that's what corporate, what communal worship is, is to all be doing the same thing. Um, but I, I think if we, if we tell ourselves that and we, in, and we choose to do what seems right to the people around us and, and engage in the way that uh, won't cause us to be judged in that space, then we're not, we're, we're actually disconnecting from that worship and, and saying, well, this, this environment and the people around me, that is more important than myself and God. And I, I, I genuinely think that, um, that a corporate worship environment, a collective communal uh, worship experience where everyone is engaging with God is far more important than a communal worship experience where everyone is doing the same thing because um, that's communal but it is very much not worship um, so it, I, I, I find it really important um, and, and it's something that needs to run through everything to give permission, permission uh, to do or not to do uh, to say uh, you, can, you can stand if you like but if you would prefer to remain seated then feel free to do that. Um, you can stay in the space that you're in or you can move on. Uh, you can come with us on the, on the rest of this journey that we're taking through a service um, rather than, than kind of forcing people along with you. Now, there, is, there, is there are times where actually it's really helpful to uh, encourage people to move on in that space or to join in with something that is uncomfortable, not help, like that they don't see as helpful. Um, I did a was working with a young adults conference a while ago, and we spent an entire session just looking at confession, um, and made a really clear point of uh, shifting from quite a reflective and uh, not so much somber but quite intense space uh, into a very um, raucous celebration of communion. Um, and for a lot of people that was a really difficult transition to make um, partly because we're all Anglicans um, but we it, it proved to be really helpful for those people even that found it difficult to do just because it was a um, it was pushing them to change their mindsets in that space but for the, for the most part um, in, in the general day-to-day, -day, I think it's really important to start, um, if you're not already, giving permission to people to act how they will.
um, the next is to is much the same kind of point. It's just to uh, to shift from instructing people in how to engage to inviting them uh, with ways to engage. So, um, I was as I was writing all the notes for the, <laughs> these different stations, I realised none of them are invitational. They're all very instructional. Um, but I think because they're written, and I gave you the permission to do whichever ones you wanted or not do any, um, that that kind of trumps it anyway. But um, just it's it's very much just a language thing. Um, but yeah, I I notice it really really obviously when I go between churches, uh, the the difference between the churches that tell their congregations what to do and say, now we're going to do this or um, or stand and sing with us now or um, that kind of, that instructional this is this is what is going to happen uh, versus those which um, actually give an invitation which does generally come with that, um, that giving permission at the same time um, an invitation to engage in a certain way, an invitation to participate, um, because it it places the the choice in the hands of the um, the people in the pews. So uh, it actually requires of you a decision to engage or not to engage. It's not a um, it's not kind of a blind following of orders it's a um, it's a genuine kind of heartfelt I, I want to do this and that that small uh, twist in the um, in the way things are spoken about um, really does have an impact just on people's mentality towards worship and the way they do engage and the last thing is just embracing silence um, so um, I find often when we're when we're planning worship events or services or whatever, we try and fill in all of the space. Um, even in our kind of personal private worship, um, we we tend to fill the silence. Um, and I I love silence as part of kind of my reflective meditative practices. Um, but for the most part, I'll. If I'm not busy at home, I'll have the TV on, or I'll have music playing, or, um, or just I look for that constant input, that stimulus, that uh, distraction, because we're we're not used to silence, um, and this becomes a bit of a bit of a cycle in that um, silence isn't easy and it's uncomfortable, um, and so we we tend to try and avoid having silences. Um, which means that we're not used to them, which means that they become awkward and they become uncomfortable, which means we try and have fewer of them. Um, and it just perpetuates itself until everything is uh, is filled, everything, every space, every visual aspect. Um, and I think that part of the reason it's uncomfortable uh, in those silences is that we're left to think for ourselves and we, um, we're forced to use our own words and we're forced to engage in conversation with ourselves and with God uh, and we don't have 
the answers in that space. And it's a little bit like this, this reflection here in that it's, it's not provided for you. It's not handed to you on a platter and you, you actually have to, you have to engage um, because the, the, the usual answers, the usual follow along um, is, is not there for you. Um, so I'd, I'd encourage you to embrace silence and to lead people in silence to say, look, actually, we, we're going to take this, um, this time together and just sit in silence and, and in prayer and it's going to be uncomfortable and uh, we recognise that, but it's important, so let's do it. Um, and uh, and I've, I've found that it's <laughs> some people absolutely hate it, um, but for a lot of people it's, it's a, a rare and really beautiful thing to, to experience. Um, it also means you don't have to plan as much in your service, which is quite helpful. So that's kind of, uh, that's basically all I've got for you today. Um, there was something that, any, anything else you want to hear, ask, talk about? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I was working with a church down in Tassie just a couple of weeks ago, um, and we were looking at the theme of joy. Uh, so one of the uh, one of the reflections, or one of the one of the responses uh, during that service was we had a um, uh, big canvas that was painted with various shades of grey, uh, and we've been talking about kind of changing our changing our attitude from one of i guess uh one of defeat to one of embracing joy um and so there was the we at the end of the talk um oh, oh i won't i won't try and find the uh, the actual words but um it was along that we gave the invitation along the lines of um we have we've got this uh this painting over here to a couple of times during the sermon, um, and at the foot of it is a is a bucket of gold paint. And so, if you're wanting to uh, make a commitment to pursuing the joy that can be found in Jesus Christ, then um, and to live a life that is that is marked by that joy, um, and set aside the the life that. Uh, that is marked by uh, defeat, by suffering, whatever. Um, we invite you, if you if you like, to come up and uh, paint over some of that grey with the with the gold paint. Um, and uh, yeah, that's just about it. Um, it is it is kind of disheartening a lot of the time because uh, if you say everyone we're going to do this everyone engages with the stuff that you've created um, if you give them the invitation there's probably about 70% that will just not engage with it because it's not something that they particularly um, it's not a way that they engage um, one thing I do find incredibly helpful is to have like three people or so um, who have been worded up 
to just be the first person to go. Um, and this is like, this is not a, like I, so I, I was up at a uh, conference in Sydney and Mark Pearson, the chap I mentioned earlier from New Zealand, who's like, uh, he literally wrote the book on curating worship. Um, he, he was presenting a, like a, a curated worship space with a whole bunch of stations and he invited everyone up and this massive room full of creatives just sat there and didn't move and it was incredibly awkward and I was like oh, oh this happens to like this happens to this guy who's like amazing at this stuff and so I got up and went and started engaging with other stations and everyone else stands up and goes and starts again um, but yeah it's, it's uh, I, I always wherever I go I, I'll talk to a few people beforehand and say, look, when, when we give the invitation, can you just demonstrate effectively? Um, just be an example for the rest of the people on what how, how you engage. Um, and even if they haven't engaged with it before, if they don't know what they're doing, it's fine. Um, it's actually better if they're, look, if they're seeing it for the first time as well. Um, yeah, what's that? Anything else? It's a hard thing to teach. Um, I think one of the one of the I don't I don't know the context within which you work. The the spaces that I've seen things work the best is on multi multi day uh, camps with a, a community, be it a youth or young adults or um, multi generational. Um, uh, over the course of that time, especially if you've got the if you have the blessing in practice as well as in principle of the um, the rest of the people that are working on that event, whatever it is. Um, so the worship leader and the speaker and the MCs, if, they, if they're all really on board with having these, uh, these opportunities to engage, then um, that helps more than I can say. Um, but I guess just take it like, if you're if you're designating a certain time to engaging with God, for and everyone is doing either the big loud collective thing or the personal reflective stuff, then um, it's it's becomes just more a choice of one or the other. And if you get a um, if you get a critical mass of people engaging with the quiet reflective stuff then it's great. I mean, the, like, with teenagers, um, 
I, I don't necessarily, this is just my personal opinion, I don't necessarily see the benefit in pushing them to engage in, uh, in spiritual practices if they don't want to engage in spiritual practices. Because again, it reinforces that thing of, well, I can do this without meaning it, and I can do this without actually engaging with God. Um, and uh, so if, they're, if you're in conversation with them and they're wanting to deal with something, they're wanting to, um, wanting to meet with God, they're wanting whatever, um, they're wanting that encounter, then by all means, tell them to take off their bloody shoes and get in there and deal with it. But if they're just wanting to have a chat, then forcing them or like just telling them you need to do this. I, I, I don't necessarily see a huge deal of value in it. But, like I said, my opinion. I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. The wrong kind of permission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, I should like just hearing you say that. I I do think that there is some benefit in saying actually everyone take off shoes, get in there, and engage with it because uh, in that in that instance, if you've got two parties, one is in in that space engaging with whatever you've set up and the other is outside having a chat um, if you've got a teenager who uh, might get something out of that but would rather be chatting um, to have all of those people in there and engaging even if they're not engaging it might provide the opportunity for that one person to uh, engage with something they need to engage with. so yeah it's <laughs> yeah um, yeah Thanks for coming. Um, hopefully there was something in that that was helpful or beneficial or you can take away. Um, and I'm gonna stop and you can have a chat to me after if you want. Thanks for This is one of many conversations recorded live at Surrender 16. We hope you found this podcast inspiring and thought provoking please check in with us at surrender.org.au for more resources and opportunities to engage and connect with our wider movement.